In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Lord be with you. A warm welcome to our Sunday celebration of Mass, and today is the second Sunday of Easter, uh, Sunday which by tradition is called Divine Mercy Sunday. The opening hymn of today's Mass uh, are very important words for us to hear at this time, Do Not Be Afraid. And of course they are words that fill us with great Easter hope itself, uh, that the Lord himself is with us in our lives. I ask you especially to remember in your prayers of today's Mass, uh, Harry Mulvena, uh, who died yesterday. Uh, such a good man, such a very uh, dedicated member of our own parish community and other parish communities uh, where he lived over the course of his life. We remember him uh, with great affection in our prayers today. To begin the Mass and to offer the Mass more worthily, we first call to mind our sins. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault, Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. And may Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. God of everlasting mercy, who in the very recurrence of the Paschal Feast kindled the faith of the people you have made your own, increase, we pray, the grace you have bestowed, that all may grasp and rightly understand in what font they have been washed, by whose spirit they have been reborn, by whose blood they have been redeemed. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God for ever and ever. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. The whole community 
remained faithful to the teaching of the apostles, to the brotherhood, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. The many miracles and signs worked through the apostles made a deep impression on everyone. The faithful all lived together and owned everything in common. They sold their goods and possessions and shared out the proceeds among themselves according to what each one needed. They went as a body to the temple every day but met in their houses for the breaking of bread. They shared their food gladly and generously. They praised God and were looked up to by everyone. Day by day, the Lord added to their community those destined to be saved. The Word of the Lord. A reading from the first letter of St. Peter. Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who in his great mercy has given a new birth as his children by raising Jesus Christ from the dead, so that we have a sure hope and promise of an inheritance that can never be spoiled or soiled and never fade away, because it's been kept for us in the heavens. Through your faith, God's power will guard you until the salvation which has been prepared is revealed at the end of time. This is a cause of great joy for you, even though you may for a short time have to, be, have to bear being plagued by all sorts of trials, so that when Jesus Christ is revealed, your faith will have been tested and proved like gold, only it's more precious than gold which is corruptible, even though it bears testing by fire. And then you will have praise, glory and honour. You did not see him, yet you love him. And still without seeing him, you are already filled with a joy so glorious that it cannot be described, because you believe. And you are sure of the end to which your faith looks forward, that is, the salvation of your souls. The word of the Lord.
The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. In the evening of that same day, the first day of the week, the doors were closed in the room where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them. And he said to them, Peace be with you, and showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were filled with joy when they saw the Lord, and he said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, so am I sending you. And after saying this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. For those whose sins you forgive, they are forgiven. For those whose sins you retain, they are retained. Thomas, called the twin, who was one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. And when the disciples said, We have seen the Lord, he answered, Unless I see the holes that the nails made in his hands, and can put my finger into the holes they made, and unless I could put my hand into his side, I refuse to believe. Eight days later, the disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. The doors were closed, but Jesus came in and stood among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he spoke to Thomas. Put your finger here. Look, here are my hands. Give me your hand. Put it into my side. Doubt no longer, but believe. Thomas replied, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, You believe because you can see me. Happy are those who have not seen and yet believe. There were many other signs that Jesus worked and the disciples saw, but they are not recorded in this book. These are recorded so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing this, you may have life through his name. The Gospel of the Lord. predicament that the apostles find themselves in the gospel passage that we've listened to is not too dissimilar to our own. They, like us, are locked in. For them it's in the upper room and for us it's in our own homes. They are not going out and no one is certainly coming in. If we are afraid of what's outside that might do us harm, then it's very clear that they also were afraid of what lies beyond the walls and the doors of the home that they're in. As you heard in that passage, it tells us that the doors are locked or shut. It's such a simple phrase, but it's so full of meaning. Like the tomb that is sealed by the rock, so the cramped, dark, airless room in which they're in is sealed locked and barred and as the rock itself signals uh, that something is ended and finished so does this door itself with its locks and its bolts and its bar one of the things that might have to be said about this passage that we've listened to today at mass is that it appears to be one passage but in actual fact it's two stories that are stuck together. Two stories that are imperfectly, if you like, sewn together. One is the story of Jesus appearing to his apostles and the other is the story about one of the apostles, Thomas. At the end of that story about Thomas, it's probably, in actual fact, the true ending of St John's Gospel. Although we know 
that there is another chapter that is probably added subsequently. There's a simple thing that's easy to overlook in the Gospel of John and it comes uh, with that thing about seeing. People in the Gospel of St John are always seeing the, the things that Jesus does and then consequently believing. And that idea itself is played out in the passage that we've listened to today at Mass. After greeting them, he shows them his hands and his side, and they are overjoyed. In John's Gospel, we hear that interaction between seeing things and believing. They see the blind man get his sight. They see Lazarus risen from the dead. They see the feeding of the 5,000. The beloved disciple gets to the tomb and sees and believes. That interaction between seeing and believing is something that happens over and over again in John's Gospel. In the upper room then, on this first day of the week, on the day of the resurrection, they see the scars, they see the wounds that Jesus has and they believe. Some people say that John and the Gospel writers tell us about the wounds of Jesus and that they see him eating uh, to disprove uh, what was occurring amongst uh, some people. That they were saying that he didn't rise bodily but it was a spirit, a phantom or a disembodied reality. Others tell us that the reason that St John himself tells us this part of the story and the others too is because they want simply to tell us the story in its entirety. What follows this kind of interaction, if you like, between seeing and believing is something that's really important, especially in St John's Gospel. Jesus himself breathes on these people and of course that's a very powerful image. The word for spirit in Hebrew is breath. It's the same word that's used in the book of Genesis when God creates uh, human beings. He breathes his spirit into them. Likewise, we think that it's deliberate that John himself uh, uses this image in order to convey to us this idea of something new that's being created. And like the door that seals the room in which they're in, now these disciples and apostles are to be like a door that opens and a door that blocks, a point of entry and also a bar. Those whose sins you forgive, they are forgiven. Those whose sins you retain, they are retained. In these words then we have the commission, if you like, of the church and the responsibility that's placed on these people to open to close, to open them to close, to be an entrance or to block. What a responsibility that is. The second story in the passage uh, is the story of Thomas. You might remember your own English teacher uh, telling you when you read a story and had to make a report on it, you had to leave out things that were unimportant details. It always seems to me a kind of unimportant detail and not necessary to tell us that Thomas was a twin. But for whatever reason John himself tells us that, maybe it's only just to distinguish himself, this person, from some other Thomas in the community itself. We don't really know why he includes that. There seems to be more in the phrase that kind of follows that Thomas, this twin, was not with them when Jesus came. For me, this simply doesn't just signify the fact that he has kind of popped out, if you like, or was accidentally missing when something important happened. I think that it means something much more, in a deeper sense, that Thomas himself had detached himself. He was no longer going with him, and no longer wanted to be associated with them. 
It's interesting that what they say to uh, Thomas uh, that follows, that they have seen him, uh, and of course that's something that's very important, uh, remembering how important the, uh, the words uh, seeing is and believing in the Gospel of St John. This though is not enough uh, for Thomas himself, for we hear his response to this. Not only does he want to see what they've seen, but he also wants to touch. He refuses to believe otherwise. I think it's clear then, in Thomas, what we're seeing is somebody who doesn't believe, someone who's unconvinced and who wants to go another way from all of these other people. The passage itself then follows on with us being told that in the days to follow that Thomas was with them. Previously, of course, he was not with them. And there seems to me more than just a simple affirmation of his physical presence uh, being with them. There's something else in those words. Perhaps they've now done just exactly what they've been asked to do uh, with the coming of the Holy Spirit upon them. They themselves appear to be an entry point to allow people to come in. And maybe the first person who comes in is Thomas. In the passage itself, we hear that Thomas is invited by the Lord to see and touch the very things that he asks of before and the very things that he says otherwise he will not believe. It's interesting that the words used uh, are the words that kind of give a sense of beginning to believe. And of course, it's not an end uh, to his belief in this moment, but it's the beginning the beginning of the journey itself in which he will believe. Thomas himself then makes this response that is so famous for him, uh, for us in this passage, my Lord and my God. This is not a simple phrase to say, for it identifies just exactly who Jesus is, but would have been a very dangerous statement, dangerous with all the perils of blasphemy that went with it. We might wonder then why St John himself decides to include this story in the accounts of the resurrection. Of course, uh, what follows then is the phrase that uh, you have seen me and believed, but many will not see me and yet believe. Maybe St John himself really uh, poses himself the question that his listeners very often will ask him. If seeing is so important, and the Gospel itself is full of this kind of theme itself, is it possible to believe without seeing? The story of Thomas then becomes a sort of answer to this. One who was not with them eventually becomes one with them. One who asks more than just seeing and look for something beyond, finds himself faith in his life. And of course, it's a kind of answer to that question that maybe the early Christians posed to St John. In actual fact, the Gospel of St John is all about this, signs given and people who see. He even confesses in the end of this passage that there are many signs not contained in this book, maybe a nod to other Gospels, even perhaps ones that we have not preserved, authenticated or approved. Their access instead is through these things, not that they see, but of course what other people see and hand on to them. The person who receives these words and who knows these signs can in actual fact believe and have life, just as those believed and had life who saw those things. We have here in these stories two stories that are stuck together, 
two fragments of the original story that probably in the first place were never meant to be put alongside each other. On the one hand, the apostles locked in the room who see the risen Lord. They see him and believe. And they are then given a task by this divine breath to be a door that opens and a door that closes, to be a kind of entry point for others. The other story answers a deep question that perhaps these early Christians had. Seeing is so important, how is, it important how, is it how is it possible to believe without seeing? And the answer that comes back is that it's possible to believe even if you haven't seen. It's possible to share in what others have seen and believe themselves. We hear today in the Gospel that this door in the upper room is unlocked. The door swings open and the people that are within it come out. They are not trapped any longer, but they come out, if you like, into the sunlight and breathe fresh air. They're not sealed in this tomb, but they are alive. Is this not fundamentally what Easter itself is about? That we are set free, that we are given a life. We are not locked for fear of what lies behind the door. God has given us a new life, new possibilities, new things to hope in and new things to believe in. Easter all, all, always is that sense of a start of a new life, a new way of looking at things, a new joy and a new hope that has come into our hearts. The tomb that was once locked has opened. The door that was once locked is opened as well. We are free, we are truly free to love, to hope, to believe and to trust. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, consubstantial with the Father, through him all things were made. For us men and for our salvation he came down from heaven, and by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried, and rose again on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead and his kingdom will have no end. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. I believe in one holy, Catholic and apostolic church. I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and I look forward to the resurrection of the dead, and the life of the world to come. Amen. We pray in thanksgiving to God's, to, for God's mercy and love that comes to us in these Easter days, and we ask him once again to listen to our prayers. For those who are fatigued and tired with long hours of caring for the sick, for renewed strength in these days to continue their life, their life-giving work. Lord, hear us. For all who are sick, that they may be well again and fully recover. 
Lord, hear us. For those who lead us, that they may make good and wise decisions for the future, Lord, hear us. For all who are concerned for their work and for the future, that they may have confidence and strength to meet these present days of trial, Lord, hear us. And for all who worry about the future, especially our young people, that they may have confidence and trust that good will come from these times. Lord, hear us. And for people helping in our local community, seeking to help others, that they may continue to support, assist and care for those in need. Lord, hear us. And for those who are on their own at this time, that they may know the consolation of family, friends and neighbours. Lord, hear us. That, these Easter day, that in these Easter days we may find faith by seeing and believing in the grace of God. Lord, hear us. And we pray for all of those who have died and those whose anniversaries we are asked to remember. And we remember especially in our prayers today, Harry Movina. Heavenly Father, we ask you to listen to our prayers and we make them with ever-growing confidence through Christ our Lord.
pray, dear brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. Accept, O Lord, the oblation of your people and of those of you who have brought to a new birth, that renewed by confession of your name and by baptism they may attain unending happiness through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It's truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, at all times to acclaim you, Lord, but in this time above all to laud you yet more gloriously when Christ our Passover has been sacrificed. By the offering of his body, he brought the sacrifices of old to fulfilment. In the reality of the cross, and by commending himself to you for our salvation, showed himself to be the priest, the altar, and the very lamb of sacrifice. Therefore, overcome with paschal joy, every land, every people exults in your praise, and even the heavenly powers with the angelic hosts sing together the unending hymn of your glory as they acclaim. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and, giving thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it. For this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it. For this is the chalice of my blood the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The Mystery of Faith Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that, sharing in the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church, spread throughout the world, bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis, our Pope, Joseph, our Bishop, and all the clergy. And remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, Joseph, her spouse, the blessed apostles, and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be coerced to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. 
through him and with him and in him, O God Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honour is yours for ever and ever. We pray with confidence to God our Father in the prayer that Jesus has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, we pray, from every evil, and graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may always be free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not in our sins, but in the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who will live and reign for ever and ever. Peace of the Lord be with you always. Behold the Lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed.
Let us pray. Grant, we pray, Almighty God, that our reception of this Paschal Sacrament may have a continuing effect in our minds and in our hearts. We ask this through Christ our Lord. And we continue to ask Mary's special protection for us in these days. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us and us now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Thank you for joining us for Mass this morning, uh, and I know that throughout the day uh, many other people catch up with the Mass. It's maybe of interest to you that uh, the uh, Mass itself goes out to the world, uh, in a sense, uh, uh, to different parts of Scotland and to England and to beyond, to many countries uh, throughout the world. We receive different messages from the Philippines and from America and uh, all sorts of places in the, the course of the day. So it's a wonderful sign of God's grace in these difficult times that uh, the message itself goes out to the world and uh, many people are able to join us in this way. So want especially to just at the end to to wish you every blessings of peace today and uh, to let you know that I'm thinking about all of you uh, in a special way here in the parish but also beyond as well uh, very much in my own thoughts and prayers at, at, at this time uh, I hope this finds all of you uh, safe and well the Lord be with you and may almighty God bless you the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit Go forth, the Mass is ended. Alleluia, alleluia. <laughs>